welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> welcome back to the Flex Success Podcast, everyone. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Dean McKillop, and our wonderful guest, Jess, am I going to butcher your last name? Yes. Zakowski? You butchered it. Did I do it? No. Hey, Zakowski. Zakowski. I feel like she added an L somewhere. Is that Macedonian? Polish. You Polish or is your husband Polish? I'm Polish. Okay. Yeah. You kept your last name when you got married? Yes. Yeah. Cool. So Power to the girls in the room. I did too. <laughs> Why should I leave my tribe to be part of your tribe? <laughs> Plus, you got a cool last name. You do. Yeah, I don't want to pronounce. Both of us have cool last names, right? It's kind of like when you don't really want to let go of it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but I remember I said it. The I first hate time. my last name. That's not why I kept it. Oh, I said other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I said your name first. I think on a story, and then you were like close, like not bad, but close. <laughs> and I was like, damn it! Like I nearly thought I'd nailed it. But anyway. <laughs> now, Jess, for people listening that don't know you, can you please explain who you are, what you do, and why you do it? Sure. Who I am. I am. Big question, isn't it? <laughs> it can be real deep. A Pisces? <laughs> Not exactly. I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I guess I do identify as a powerlifter. So I would say I'm a powerlifter or I'm a powerlifting enthusiast and a coach and business owner. I live in Sydney. I have been lifting and kind of participating in strength training for the past six or seven years and then more specifically in powerlifting for about five just a little bit short of perhaps I guess in terms of why I do it I opened a gym or a small like women's gym basically to make strength training more accessible to women and to kind of be able to do or to share kind of what I love most about it so, you know, being able to go to the gym without it having to be about necessarily like cardio and fitness or having to do training in a certain way that other people do it, but just to be able to focus on the parts of training that I enjoy and kind of being able to focus on, you know, what my body's capable of doing. So, mm. Instead of just how it looks. Yeah, yeah. 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 So cool. I, years ago, I know, years ago I joined don't judge me, Fernwood. Cool. And I hated it because uh, there's, there's a, I love training generally and I don't mind that there's men around. Sometimes it can be kind of be handy for spots or whatever. <laughs> but I hated Fernwood because although it was a women's gym and I got to avoid the things I was trying to avoid from going to a mixed gender gym, everyone was just doing fitnessy type stuff and they drive to the gym to walk on the treadmill and yeah. I'm there like I literally used every plate just to do leg press mm-hmm. and then no one else could use it like it just it wasn't for me so I love hearing that you've taken the the good parts without the bad parts and you're you're kind of opening up strength for women yeah without the judgment well. yeah without the judgment but also like a large Uh, like one of the major issues that I saw with women that wanted to get into strength training was that they found it, you know, obviously you hear that they find it a bit intimidating, the weights room, grunting, like big dudes and all that sort of thing. But also look, obviously like a lack of confidence in what they're doing themselves. So outside of the external factors, like kind of just wanting to like dial in on what they should be doing for them specifically, not what they see or everyone else at the gym doing 
um, to get big and strong or, you know, to, to get into weight training. I don't know if I've worded that quite right, but do you know what I mean? Like kind of wanting to make it more about them and their own journey as well as obviously leave like the, the dirty, grimy, intimidating gym environment. But yeah. they were obviously finding in other places. <laughs> so, so dirty and grimy in regards to the wandering eyes, not so much in, in regards to the facilities, perhaps. Because well, like, not the walls this way, but a typical powerlifting gym is dirty and grimy. It's changing though. You know, yeah. husband's got his gym, and it's not really dirty and grimy. From no, it's super clean. <laughs> more about performance, which is super cool, uh, and I think that's the biggest differentiation between like specialized gyms now that are offering strength training as a mode of exercise not just necessarily for performance is that it's performance focused it's objective there's no subjectivity it's not about sex it's not about like how you look and yes you're not going into a globo gym where you watch somebody just do booty band stuff or weird step ups or yeah walking on a treadmill at 45 degrees to try and hit their glutes and go hmm that chick has a good bum maybe that's how i do that Oh, God damn. I remember when I was a trainer at Fitness First, there was this guy that used to call my workouts porn star workouts, right? And so he, which like, haha, was all about fun and games. But I asked him like, why are you calling them that? I don't get it. And he was like, oh, well, you do bent over rows and deadlifts. And he was just naming all the exercises where I'm bending over. And apparently that made it a porn star workout and he was sexualizing my training, which he was like, you know, it was funny. Like, it's all good, but you do bent over rows. It's not sexy when a guy does. Like, so now I guess I'm a little bit conscious when I'm doing deadlifts and making sure that my butt is facing the wall. But then, you know, your shirt sags at the front and you're like, fuck, now I've got to wear this teeth. Like, you know, it's kind of not fair to feel sexualized when you're trying to train. Well, so, not kind of. It's definitely not. No, it's definitely yeah. not. Cool. 100%. Not. So we can avoid that in a women's gym and we yeah. shouldn't have to deal with it in a um, mixed gender gym, but so, such is life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unless you want to and then go, girl. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> now, tell us about the booty parlor. You had some issues, I believe, on your birthday. Talk us through that. So last year, yeah, it was my birthday, so I took the day off work. And unfortunately, there was a really big incident next door, really, where they were they were doing a demolition, and it was taking a few a few months really to get rid of the whole site next door to our building. But on the day of my birthday, it went wrong, and they knocked my gym down <laughs> with an excavator. Yeah, which wasn't that pretty. So happy we, birthday, Jess. No, I know, but it was in some ways fortunate because no one was in there as a result of it being my birthday. So probably the best day for it to happen. Mm. Yeah. You know, despite it coming as a huge shock and kind of <laughs> making the day a little bit sour. But yeah, so again, fortunately no one was inside, but they knocked down a huge wall and the whole thing was covered in bricks and so forth. So yeah. Good Not damn. Jim gone, yeah. Was there any silver linings in that? I think initially it was just like huge shock and and a whole lot of anger and confusion but as we went on you know I just kept thinking like you know the universe has its ways of of doing weird things and I guess you know one day I'll understand why or for what you know what the silver lining was but it I just had to try and see the positives come out of it so knowing that I was going to be able to reopen again once I figured out my plan of attack and then COVID um, happened. Jokes on you. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's about to open and then this. 
But even now, like it's the same thing, like the timing, once again, not ideal and I'm not able to reopen the gym as I planned for the start of April, but I will be able to reopen, you know, and I'm building my community. I've been able to launch the business online in the meantime, which is really cool. And I've had the support of all my, you know, existing clients from before 1.0 went down <laughs> all through this, which has been cool. I was able to work out of my husband's gym at Strength Tribe throughout. So that was really lucky as well. And heaps of learnings. So positives were loads and loads of learnings, being able to kind of make sure that I opened my second gym with those learnings, you know, and, and probably a little bit of like good self-awareness in terms of how I spend my money on my business. Mm-hmm. You know, when you open your very first business or gym, in my case, it's very emotional. And so I was very emotionally driven with the way I opened the first. It was like, what equipment do I want? What do I love? And how do we want to make this our special place? Which was cool, but it wasn't necessarily the best way to do it from a business point of view. And so now my focus has been more on, okay, now I've got the opportunity to review and think what do my clients need the most? What, you know, machines do they not really need? Because I've got other, I can train at Tom's gym if I need to use certain equipment that's like much more powerlifting focused. Whereas a lot of my clients aren't powerlifters. They're women that want to do strength training and, you know, get a little bit stronger and more confident in what they're doing, but not necessarily have to do what exercise can I think like, you know, they don't need a comp bench press, no. bench pressing, but they don't need a monolift. They don't need necessarily like a pendulum machine. They, you know, what do they want? What do they need? And so that's been pretty cool as well. Yeah, mm. love it. What are, so what are some of the major variances between when you open versus what you're going to open to when we're eventually allowed to say hello to people face-to-face? The equipment changes that you're specifically going for? Well, I'm not going powerlifting specific with Booty 2.0. Yeah, so knowing that the majority of my client base at the Booty Parlor aren't powerlifters, I, yeah, I'm not necessarily having to just have it powerlifting specific. It's general strength stuff, which is good. And, you know, with that, I will have like a fair, probably a higher amount of beginners and people new to strength training than I did at 1.0 as well, as well, because I'm changing locations and moving into a different area. Yeah. And then a few more machines, yeah, a few cool. more machines. Yeah. Love it. Good. You can get a hold of them before they get thrust into the fitness industry. <laughs> You know, like deer caught in the headlights. You can get them first and like sort of bang them through it. So how did you come up with the name Booty Parlor? <laughs> the first business name I chose was the Booty Cult, which was sort of like around like this, you know, movement to like girls getting into strength training and the whole like booty thing, but kind of without it, uh, kind of like a bit of a play on it in that I wasn't actually doing like banded booty sizes and things like that we were just doing heavy squats and heavy deadlifts and obviously cold because we were like you know building a bit of a community so I had this group of girls that would meet up and we'd go for coffees and breakfasts and just and do other activities like we went to do a trapeze lesson together and pole dancing class Um, and at that point I was still renting space out of a strength and conditioning gym so I just was running my PT business out of there And then when I decided to make my own facility, I thought, well, how can I carry that across? So, yeah, it was like either Booty HQ and then I thought Booty Parlor was kind of cute. I like it. People writing out Beauty Parlor, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a brothel. That's another. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) 
that is so funny. But imagine you couldn't call it a cult. I don't think you'd be able to like have a, an established business like a, a, brook, a brick and mortar saying, "Come to my cult." Oh yeah, no, I don't think they'd like that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I wouldn't get my DA approved. <laughs> so now that gyms are closed, I'm guessing you still have access to a gym because you have your own and so does your husband, right? You can still train there personally? I, I think we probably could, but we're not at this stage. Yeah, we what we've done is we've brought some of the equipment home to be able to train at home just so that we're kind of doing our bit in terms of staying home as much as we can because mm. um, we do live half an hour away from Tom's gym five minutes from my gym, but still like, we just kind of think, well, if we don't really need to be traveling there every day for half an hour and back, you know, we can bring home the basics and train at home. Cool. Okay. It helps us to be able to relate to our clients a little bit more because obviously they're all training at home and helps us get a little bit more creative when we're programming for them. Yeah. How are they going? Good. I'm so impressed. Like I have to say one of the coolest things was seeing that when, you know, gyms got locked down or got banned in that first week, majority of our clients were already like, all right, how are we going to source equipment? How are we going to build our own? What are we going to do to be able to keep our training up? You know, that was, I thought that was pretty cool to see that they were all pretty committed. um, All the comps being cancelled and no, and so much uncertainty as to like, like, what are they actually training for now? But they've all been, you know, pretty, pretty good at being able to kind of keep it as part of their routine, which helps, obviously. Right. Yeah, you were one of the unfortunate grouping of people that, un- that has was one week or a couple of days away from reaching your peak for your powerlifting prep into Pro Raw at the Arnold Australia and had the rug pulled from underneath you. So, For people listening that don't know, Dean is Jess's nutrition coach, which is why he, he knows the details of her, her prep. How did you feel about the comp being cancelled after you did this great prep? Yeah, I was pretty gutted, to be honest. I um, Right till the end, I didn't really believe that it would get cancelled. Even though a few people had said, like, you probably, you might not even be doing pro roll at this stage, I was still like, no, 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 like, pro roll will still happen. It might come in a different shape or form. Like, before it was completely cancelled, it moved locations. So the Arnold's, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty around the Arnold. So then pro roll as an event moved it to another location. So we thought, okay, no, we've still got a chance to do this. And then that was cancelled as well. So I think, like, double gutted because I'd already signed myself up a second time yeah it's a shame it was a really good prep and yeah everything was just you know feeling like it should and I I definitely think I would have PR'd all my lifts I would have had a pretty cool result it was nice though that we were still able to kind of wrap it up with testing my lifts just before the gyms all closed so the comp was meant to be on Friday for my for the girls so I tested my lifts on Saturday with close-ish to comp conditions uh, I didn't weigh in but I I went in and I did all three lifts one after the other and that sort of a thing I had spotters I had loaders I had people helping me and it felt really it felt good and my results were awesome so yeah shame I couldn't do it in comp but I'm not yeah. there's like everyone worldwide so yeah you hit your first 500 yes. in training yes, yes. In how training. good is that yeah yeah so what were the numbers on those three lifts and estimated weight? Maybe what, 61 and a half kilos or something, 62 kilos? 
Maybe, yeah, yeah, something around that. I'm not really too sure. We were like, obviously, yeah, we were dropping weight down to hit the 60, to weigh in at 60 on the day of comp on Friday because it's a two-hour weigh-in for Pro Raw. And then once we found out that we weren't doing it, I kind of, like what we talked about, like I kind of kept eating the same sort of food I had been through prep because I didn't want to feel like crap for when I tested my but I didn't, you know, obviously do a water cut or anything like that. So I probably would have started around that 62, 61 and a half month, whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, lifts were made up of 195 kilo squat, which was a PB, 102.5 kilo bench, which blows my mind even when I say it. Like, what? What? Is that like four times body weight? I can't do that. No. <laughs> yeah, like I was never very good at bench. So to hit the 100 was exciting. To hit the 100 again was exciting. And then to hit 102.5 was mad. And a 202.5 kilo deadlift just to secure the 500 kilos in training. I was pretty Damn, cool. girl, because I happened to Google you to do some research for this <laughs> podcast. And I think your 2019 PBs is an, I don't know, this is just what the interwebs say. 95 bench and 182 squat and depth. So they, those are huge improvements off those numbers. Is that right? They weren't my best lifts, but they were what I ended up on in GPC. In nationals. Yes, maybe yeah. that would be my nationals numbers. Yes, because I missed the 190 squat at nationals, which yeah. was under 56 kilos. So I was a little bit lighter for that oh, yeah. one, which was a bummer. It was a close one, wasn't it, Dean? Mm. <laughs> poor jess was she was she was sucked down at 56 kilos that is a light how tall are you jess i've always said 160 centimeters but yesterday tom told me you're not 160 centimeters so i think i'm maybe 155 oh hey shorty yeah how tall are you Liz? <laughs> i think about that i think i'm five foot i just scraped five foot one is that like 155 okay. yeah i think yeah. about the same yeah, height you guys are different. definitely not much apart having stood next to the both of you yeah not far off. <laughs> yeah <laughs> There's no way you're that much taller than this. Look, my hair gets really messy and poofy sometimes, and that's yep. got to add at least a foot. <laughs> There's a foot in the hair. Got to go for the quiff. Not the quiff, <laughs> as we discussed the other day. But the other the day I was saying, I always confuse the words queef and quiff. You know, that little poof on the top of your yeah, head. Right. Yeah, it's not a good word. To... Not a good one to mix up. <laughs> I don't have a big queef. I have a big... Wait, what's is it? I don't know. <laughs> that one. And I am not into queefs. I mean queefs. Where is this conversation women. going? I like it though. <laughs> I like it. Now, Jess, as a female lifter, what would you say some of the advantages and disadvantages are? Of lifting? Yeah. As, uh, yeah. Lifting specifically uh, as a female. So disadvantages... I think it's kind of like important to note that I think in the past like five years or so, it's become a lot more accessible to women, obviously, like no news to any of us. But I think, you know, the fact that it has like powerlifting has been, has seen such a shift in that it's less just about, you know, the biggest kind of like, you know how there used to be that idea of powerlifters being big and fat and, <laughs> and not really caring about their health or aesthetics or whatever. I think um, one of the things we've obviously seen is that, you know, powerlifters kind of want to be healthier and fitter and potentially leaner for multiple reasons. Like one, because that we're a vain society and we want to look kind of okay, but also because it helps us be competitive obviously so we can kind of like you know take it like be competitive within our weight classes so being you know leaner than obviously 
works in with that. And I think that's one thing that's then made the sport a little bit more attractive to women as well, is that they're not just seeing big fat guys and <laughs> and they're actually, you know, seeing that other like smaller women or, or just, you know, women generally, you know, doing the sport, but also being able to look feminine and having, yeah, like kind of a life outside of the sport as well. I think an advantage that kind of works as an advantage like me in the sport because it means that there's more women to compete against and there's more of us which you know keeps it all fun and interesting obviously without competition be pretty bland so yeah definitely the surge in competitive women in powerlifting is a huge plus for me and also that it is still relatively new. So if you're in powerlifting now, people are still very wowed. Like, you know, we do this every day and that's kind of what we do. It's my main hobby, obviously. So, you know, getting a triple weight, a triple body weight deadlift, like it's not out of the question. Like, yeah, you have to work for it, but like, you know, eventually you can get that. But people in general population are like, what? You can do more than one body weight. You're an ant, you know. So it's cool because it's still a bit of wow factor. And that's that's really cool that we're getting recognition for the cool shit that we apparently do. And then disadvantages, I guess, you know, we're still bumped. People, this will be controversial, (laughs) but we're still bumped into the Friday of comps, of major comps, which a lot of the time means that my friends, my clients, my family can't come and watch my comps because it's on the Friday of, and everyone works on those days. You know, at some comps it's done differently. They definitely tried to change it up for GPC Nationals and they had like the under 56 lifters, for instance. I think we were on the Sunday which is traditionally the day that like the big boys lift. So we were together with like 125 or whatever class it was. So it's definitely changing, but that's, you know, one of the things is traditionally we're kind of booted off the main stuff. What else? What actually drew you to powerlifting specifically, Jess, from a competitive point of view? That's a great question. I was, you know, just generally doing strength training. I got into kind of just, yeah, doing weights at the gym and got myself a PT, which turned out to be my husband <laughs> i didn't know that ah now more controversy <laughs> arrives that's that's cute i'm into that yeah. but yeah so he just like you know he taught me how to use barbell how to squat and bench and overhead press and deadlift and that kind of crap and i really enjoyed it you know i tried team sports before but they hadn't really like worked that well for me i guess and i had liked things that um were more like individual sports or just training at the gym or doing like group classes, which was my jam back in the day. <laughs> yeah, so then being able to to kind of train with weights, but be able to progress it and like perfect technique was really cool to me. So I like like learning a new skill and then being able to work at it. And then I also really liked like the response I got from people. People were impressed that, you know, I'd only just started, but I could squat 60 kilos or something. So I think that kind of like, validation was like oh yeah cool this is something different and it like it's I guess it's kind of like that thing I was saying with the two times or three times body weight deadlift you know to the outside world that seems really 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 impressive within the powerlifting circle it's like kind of like oh yeah that's like <laughs> that's all right <laughs> you're scraping into a top six competitor you know, like. <laughs> I love that lifting whether it's bodybuilding strongman powerlifting for women can help redefine how they relate to their bodies because typically we relate to our bodies just by the physical appearance, but it really changes that and even changes what femininity can mean to you. So for example, my mom has a really 
narrow idea of what femininity means. I'm nowhere near as much of a beast as you, Jess, but even then enough for my mum to say that, like, I'm not feminine. And, you know, and, but I actually think that I am. But, and, and that's just because I'm able to redefine what it means for me. And there's so many different ideas of what attractive looks like. And we no longer have to fit into this narrow box anymore. Yeah. Just, I think that's so great. Do you ever get, because if you wanted to be sexy, you would put up photos in lingerie, right? And, but you put up your deadlift videos because you're like, hey, this is my lift. This is about my strength. But do you ever get comments like, ew, that's not sexy or ew, you look like a man or anything like that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you do? It's very funny. I mean, the advice is always just don't read the comments, you know, on things like videos and stuff, especially when it's just internet trolls and like random people, not my friends or my followers. But yeah, if you read them, they're pretty amusing. <laughs> you get a whole lot of, it's either that they're completely like sexualizing like I'm doing a freaking squat what can you like what the hell how is anything about this sexy or it's the other way and it's yeah like oh gross why would you want to do that girls should not be doing that and yeah there was one where I was um Marcos from Pro Raw Powerlifting shared my squat video on, on the Facebook page and he used the hashtag barefoot and pregnant I think it is pregnant <laughs> barefoot or something because I trained barefoot. I don't know if it was also because, like, you know, I have a little belly when I'm bracing, but I think it was mostly to do with the fact that he, he like, wasn't that impressed that I was trained barefoot or something. <laughs> anyway, so people took it really seriously and thought I was pregnant. So no, no, <laughs> only were they criticising the fact that I shouldn't, you know, be lifting heavy weights as a female and, like, you know, that it was yuck, but also that I shouldn't be doing that well. Pregnant carrying a baby and I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh man I just think it's so hilarious the comments about like oh that I wouldn't date that and it's like I did I ask you yeah did, no, thank you. I ask you I wouldn't date you either <laughs> the worst comment I ever saw was someone's comment this is not even funny it's horrible he said I wouldn't even rape you Oh, wow. Like, what the fuck is going on, guys? So there's this Instagram page called You Look Like a Man. And it's it's very funny and I encourage everyone to check it out. And it's a Facebook page where women send in screenshots of things men have said to them in relation to them looking like men or lifting weights or things that are traditionally masculine. And do you you follow this page, Jess? Yeah, is it Gary that they have as the universal name for men that say stupid things to women? I, I think it's Gary. So they're like, oh, another Gary. And people say oh, Gary, though. preposterous thing. It is so funny. So I'm sorry you have to cop some of that flack, but I imagine that lots of women may feel less alone in the copying of that flack and they know everyone else cops it too. Yeah, even in an objective, otherwise, an otherwise objective sport, it can still cop that, unfortunately. Yeah. But I do feel sorry for a true Gary. Do you have someone, anyone named Gary? Imagine if you ever named Gary. <laughs> or the female that would be Susan, right? Like, I feel really sorry for anyone called Susan because they use every meme. That's so true. <laughs> or, or Stephen. Stephen. There's a Facebook group called Kmart Unhacks. So there's, like, Kmart Hacks where you can use a shoe stand in your kitchen for, like, your coffee and tea, right? So, like, Kmart Hacks. But Kmart Unhacks are stupid stuff people do with Kmart items. Oh. And they call people doing the stupid things Brenda, like another Brenda invention. 
my notes for sure. That is definitely a Brenda thing to do. For sure. Bloody Brenda. <laughs> now, moving back to powerlifting, I would like for you to give us the dirt on Dean as a nutrition coach. Oh, I know you want to, but you didn't read my question list, Nate. That's what, that's what happens. <laughs> you don't proofread. I did. She hasn't seen the one that I slipped in later on. <laughs> oh, God. No, that's not true. So, Dean is a nutrition coach. Not the good stuff, just the dirt. <laughs> just the dirt. <laughs> Tell people why they don't want to hire me as a coach. <laughs> this is such good advertisement for me. <laughs> pausing Jess think of all the bad things just pause <laughs> or you can give us the dirt of oh how it's difficult to be coached by your husband for your strength programming or Dean or Tom whatever <laughs> oh shit guys where's my prep <laughs> well, I'm still being coached by Tom so I feel like that's risky business being able to <laughs> Dish dirt on him, although he probably won't listen because <laughs> no, it doesn't. I don't really mean it. <laughs> I also mean like I would never ask Dean to coach me for nutrition because I feel like we might bicker about it because yeah. we're both in nutrition, just like you and Tom are both in strength training. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we would have a difference of opinion. So how does that go down with Tom training you? I guess with Tom specifically, probably, you know, one of the main things he obviously has to deal with for me and probably Dean too, um, is just the bratty side where, because I'll have an opinion on like what's worked for me or what I, what I feel works for me. Um, I might, yeah, like counter argue or, you know, counter certain decisions, so yeah, probably just that. Like there, there, there definitely is more discussion around like his programming decisions for me, whereas I'm sure his other clients don't go. But why do I have to? Why am I doing this? Or are you sure that this is the best thing for me? Whereas he has to have those conversations with me. But whatever, he loves it. <laughs> and, like, did you add this because we had a fight last week? <laughs> How angry are you? Like, if you not put weight on this because you know that I'm a little bit emotional right now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be the big that would be the hardest thing I think for sure. Like when you're in the same domain as your otherwise better half, then uh, it would be difficult to be a little bit more objective about it and a little bit less subjective. And also, even as the coach, like you would, find, he would, I'm sure Tom would find it much more difficult to say no all the time. Whereas somebody else, it might be like, no, nah, that's the best approach. We're sorry, like it is what it is. Whereas when it's your partner, you're like, ah. Maybe I should just give a little bit of rope because this is just going to be for the greater good. Of the relationship? Of of everything. (laughs) Yeah. I think it is like that kind of like pick your battles. She wants to do that, like, you know, in some ways. But anyway. Yeah. He's still working on the concept that you hired him as as your personal trainer. (laughs) However many years. Do you still pay him? (laughs) (laughs) He made me stop as soon as we hooked up. He was like, okay, no, you can't pay me anymore. This is wrong. So now we're just... <laughs> could have been a gigolo for a week. It could have been. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, no. But, I mean, it works because I'm still progressing. I'm, it's, you know, I have that layer of being able to put that aside and let someone else manage it for me. If I was programming for myself, God, I would just have even bigger quads all the time. I would never work on any of my weaknesses and I would never do the things I don't like. So he does still, you know, obviously... He's able to, you know, to do all of that. And I will, for the most part, listen. I'll just argue a little bit, but I'll mostly <laughs> do it. <laughs> you know, so I guess that's 
like the same in terms of the value, not dissing Dean, but in terms of like the biggest value for me is like, obviously I've hired him because that's not something like that is my strength to be able to implement my own, you know, nutrition plans and to be able to kind of, you know, dial in every single piece of the puzzle leading into comp. So I have Tom making sure that my numbers are where they should be every week. So it's not something I'm overthinking. It's the same thing with working with Dean. It's so good that I can just be like, that is actually his job. And I have to be okay with that as a control freak. It's a nice thing to be able to go, okay, trust what, you know, Dean set for me for this week and what the plan is. I'm going to make way. So now I just have to make sure that my other piece, you know, I'm ticking off my checklist, which is like my favorite thing ever. I've got my to-do list. If I can get through that, I'm on track. Yeah. Jess, do you ever add things to the list that are just like small tasks that you've completed that weren't on there and just so you could cross them out? Oh my God, like that's how I start my checklist. And I <laughs> to everyone, it's like, oh, well, I've already been so productive today. I'd better write down those five things. So I, <laughs> I do that all the time. Uh, oh, my God. Um, what, uh, what motivated you to get into a nutrition coach relationship for powerlifting specifically as a female i asked specifically as a female because we saw a trend in powerlifting starting to shift about two to three years ago where Mm -hmm. some of the guys were going out and seeking nutrition and guidance whether to make weight to put on muscle whatever it may be Mm -hmm. didn't typically see it in the girls i wonder if maybe it's because there's a larger distinction between weight categories and like maybe most girls just sit somewhere in the middle and they probably don't have to diet nor diet up nor diet down but what were your motivations and then yeah, we'll stick with that and then maybe we'll have some follow-up questions. Sure. So when I did my first couple of powerlifting comps, I kind of sat at about 53 kilos naturally. So then I, when I was going into sanction comps, obviously I kind of saw the 52 kilo weight class as like the class for me because it was the closest to my regular body weight. But then as I started to get more into powerlifting and like started lifting heavier and eating more, then I kind of wanted to be able to make sure that I was kind of like maximum, like doing the best I could with that weight class, like putting on some good muscle and still being able to sit in that weight class. So I did my first couple of sanction comps at 52 kilos and then realized that probably it was going to get a little bit hard to stay there because I was putting on muscle and so forth. So I was going to go up to 56 kilos. So I think at that point, knowing what it would take to be competitive when you go up a weight class and how much stronger the girls are was kind of what initially made me think, okay, I should probably actually focus on what I'm doing with nutrition. You know, if I'm putting so much effort into making sure I'm following my program week to week and I'm already starting to think about, you know, how much am I sleeping and is it consistent and what else am I doing? Then nutrition is an obvious other, you know, factor that I hadn't really been looking at. So it was something that was kind of untouched territory. I didn't really know that like what worked for me or anything like that. I just knew that like I should eat heaps of veggies and I should have protein. So yeah, that, that was kind of like the main thing. It was like, okay, that's something I haven't even looked into. I have no idea where I would start. Mm. So that's probably the initial one going up a weight class. But then ever since then, it's kind of the main thing that's, I guess, had me staying on in a kind of nutrition coaching relationship has been that I've always kind of pushed the limit a little bit with my weight classes so that I can be competitive. So yeah, wanting to make sure that I can make weight classes, that I can make my cuts not too savage. I've had a savage weight cut and I've missed weight before in a comp as well. 
So then wanting to have a really good and healthy relationship with a nutrition coach who can like tell me what to do and I'll listen to what they say because I'm slightly scared of them, but also, you know, can give me like advice that's applicable to me and that's going to like help me feel good so I don't hate it because it's a hobby. You know, that's the other thing that I always remind myself, like I do this as a hobby. This is for fun and I want to enjoy it. So I want the nutrition to support that in that I want to still be able to eat the food I like but I, I want it to be like smart and educated. Like I, I don't want it to be like I'm just eating like a bodybuilder because I'm a power lifter and I don't want to just be eating like a power lifter because I don't want to get fat and not my classes anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bodybuilders shouldn't even eat like bodybuilders. No. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you would advise people who are taking their hobbies seriously to, to get a coach? Is that something that you think most people would find value in? Yeah, I think especially if they feel like they've, you know, gotten to the level with their training where it's, you know, they're in a good routine. They've set the groundwork to actually have like, okay, this is now what I do. I follow a program every week. I check in with my coach. At that point, I think they're kind of ready. I mean, not to say that they couldn't have a nutrition coach beforehand, but I think they'll get the most value out of it when they're, they already you know, the value of the nutrition side of things is already like they're bought into that already because they can see that it'll be like, even if it's the 1% or the, you know, 10% of difference. Yeah. So I think if they're getting a little bit more experience with their training or, you know, have a good thing going, a good routine, and then I think it's definitely a valuable thing to have. Self-awareness 101, like amazing for building your own self-awareness of your own habits and where you could be doing things better like picking up, you know, like good habits. Yeah. And just kind of systemizing it. Like, you know, we do it with our training. Most people do it with their training to some degree or have some level of repetitiveness with their training and their, you know, other parts of life work and so forth. But yet they don't think of doing that with their nutrition. That was a really cool thing that, you know, working with Dean is kind of like, you know, done with my nutrition. It just kind of like, it became more of like another system that I follow or whatever, just mm. Yeah, for sure. That's so true. People do see the value in learning about training, the right technique, what works for them, blah, blah, blah. But then somehow it does get missed with nutrition. People don't see the value in learning about food, learning what works for them, finding a system. That's They've been doing it since they were like two. They're like, I've got this eating thing down pat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but then yeah, why every... don't people think that we're training? I've been moving since I was zero. Yeah, this movement thing down pat. But it is true. Everybody <laughs> assumes because they eat, they know how to eat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the other problem with nutrition, specifically in performance sports, is that there's no and, and there's not an immediate feedback on success or failure. Mm-hmm. So you know, like you shift off your nutrition for a day. Not much happens. Not much happens. Mm-hmm. It's the repetition of the behavior that then generates the result. Whereas like in, in my world of bodybuilding traditionally, like you kind of seeing changes on a week to week basis. So you're getting instantaneous feedback whether or not you should be happy or sad about your results. Yeah. Whereas, you know. Or powerlifting, you miss a lift and it's because you had a shitty sleep the night before. Like it's yeah. quite immediate. Yeah, yeah, it's immediate and it's super yeah. effective too, you know. Or even you can look at form breakdown and go, that's why that happened. Whereas you've got to kind of like build this data set for nutrition to determine where success may lie and then where failure may have occurred. Which is where a coach comes in handy. (laughs) But it's also why it needs to be systematic, like you said, because it is. It's about like looking at trends over time with nutrition and not necessarily the immediate, which I think is what a lot of people struggle with, specifically performance sports and powerlifting. Yeah. Um, 
Was there any other thing else like major that you took out of having nutrition so systemized, like anything you learned specifically that was advantageous for powerlifting? I think being able to take little things like, for example, my body weight just as data rather than some, you know, emotional number was obviously useful. Like just being able to track that the way I would with other factors in my, you know, program or my collection. It was, you know, obviously like kind of learning what really worked for me. Like I always knew I liked carbs, but I didn't realize it was like because carbs did really great things for me. <laughs> and, you know, they really helped with my performance and everything else in my recovery. I just knew I liked the taste. So I guess like actually learning that that's a thing and that like I can, you know, favor carbs in my diet and that's totally okay was very, was definitely useful. Just as a potato girl. I know. I have a little thing that hangs on the fridge that says fries before guys. Yes, I have something like that. (laughs) (laughs) You both are the potato queens. Anything potatoes, hash browns, gems, mash, jacket potato, doesn't matter. Yeah. Delicious. Tommy yeah. told me that it's like because I'm Polish, he gives me shit about it being a Polish girl. Of course, she loves so much potato and meat. That's because it's amazing. Yeah, it's exactly. It's because potatoes are everything. But is it not also quite common to eat a lot of potatoes as a Polish person? Or have I misunderstood your joke for all of this time? No, no, no. That's what she's saying. But it's not because she's Polish. It's because oh, no. potatoes are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of meals have potato. Actually, funnily enough, when Jess and I started working together, it was maybe, well, I think 12 weeks out from... Pro Raw 2000 and what are we, 2019? Is that about right? <laughs> what year are we in? And, um, and I think it was, it would have been just before Christmas too then, based on the timing. So I think we'd been talking about starting for maybe a week. We'd been on board for maybe a week. And then she's like, by the way, like I'm Polish and we have Christmas Eve. We oh, yeah. <laughs> and we do this. That's what we do. And I was like, that's cool. We can figure this shit out. So like, right from the yeah. start, I had to like really jump in and be like, kind of be aware of like food choices for Jess. And we came up with a way for her to still enjoy Christmas and it not really throw her off task for the point in time, but it happened in week one. So talking about her brattiness, it was like, yeah, week one, we got straight in. Oh. It's probably a good way for me to start with you, actually. Well, at least at the tone, Tom and I were very impressed because I obviously told him like, Dina's worked out how much like protein carb is probably in our dumplings and like, you know, he's even researched the soup and the salad and Tom's like, this guy's the real shit. (laughs) (laughs) An interesting point for people at home. One thing that we learned, I think collectively, and when I say we, Tom included being the the performance coach in this was that that weight cut for pro raw 2019 was much easier than Jess had experienced before because she Mm -hmm. had done savage cuts and the lack of intensity of the cut potentially actually impacted her performance to the negative because it lacked the intensity. The, the mental sort of steeliness required to go through a savage cut was something she then used to generate performance. And come pro raw, she was actually kind of just a little bit too relaxed. Yeah. yeah, she lacked that sort of sympathetic drive that we would typically see in people that are on edge all the time. So if somebody is getting into their nutrition and they are managing it, just be aware that if you are changing your stimulus, you potentially change your result. But it was a cool thing to learn collectively, I think. Mm, that's interesting. I never would have thought of that. Mm. So basically what we invoked the next time was that I asked Tom to slap Jess <laughs> around for a week so that she was just always on edge. I'll make really mean comments on your photos. Like, ew, what isn't even sexy, Jess? And I'll just make you really angry and then you can I have a confession. Yeah. I have an alias online. His name's Gary. 
<laughs> I'm going to make a Gary profile and just comment really mean. I Gary the video. fuck out of Jess in the next prep. One week, okay? Just that one week. Yeah. All right. Just sheer emotional abuse. Ew, you're married? A man finds you attractive? <laughs> that sort of stuff. Go. I'm going to write some mean comments down so I remember. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, one thing that my mum said to me once uh-huh. about, you know, my femininity was when I decided to get really bad calluses on my hand. This is obviously before I started dating Tom. She was like, oh, no man will ever want to marry you with those hands. So <laughs> wow. <laughs> crypto wrong. <laughs> That's well, so funny. Liz had a similar experience of which said no man would ever find those quads attractive. No, she said you'll never find a man with quads like that. But she said it to me in front of Dean and we were already together. And I was like, well... But I also said... My boyfriend's right here. I was like, those legs are the reason why. (laughs) There's some disconnect. You only like me for my body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really mean, isn't it? But um, I think it also, for me at least, gave me pretty thick skin early on to deal with comments from people later. Because some people say don't read the comments. I can honestly say those comments make me laugh because I feel feminine. I love having muscle. It makes me feel sexy, not that I'm doing it to feel sexy. So I'm completely fine with it. So those comments, I was like, fuck you, Gary, whatever, like, ha, ha, And I like being in that place. And I think, like, I can thank my mum's really mean comments for that or for for a portion of that. Mm. So it ain't all bad. No, that's it. Yeah. And I love your calloused hands, Jess. (laughs) I'm losing them now. It's been four weeks of only using hand work. I know. The hardest thing I'm doing is pull-ups on a squat bar, like putting it in my squat rack and doing pull-ups. That's the only thing making my hands hurt. Oh, mm. you're going to be baby soft. Yeah. Tell yourself some new ones. Office worker hands. I've still got them, eh? Yours are deep. Yours run into your soul. Yeah, mine touch them. <laughs> oh, they do. All right, let's move on to some funnies. Well, no, before we go funnies, Jess, we normally ask people oh, yeah. if they've got anything that they think is worth sharing to the community that listen that they think that you think may be of value to them. So it could be a book, a book, a podcast, a quote, a documentary, a quote, anything. Oh, it's a good one. I would love to, you know, usually in times where I have more time to just chill out and do nothing, I will have read a new book or started a new series, but we've just kind of been doing puzzles and trying to avoid like general society. Like I haven't been really watching too much news, Tom has. I guess everyone's already done this, but like rewatching Contagion <laughs> is kind of an interesting one to do right now with everything going on. I've not seen it. No. Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, you guys should watch Contagion. Yeah. It's funny. You think, because obviously we're, I don't know when you guys will post this, but we're currently in so- social isolation due to COVID-19. <laughs> and so, you know, all these little like terms that are now relevant to us like social isolation and like social distancing and stuff you know I've never used those kinds of terms before but I when you watch Contagion you realize that this is like this is just all like this is pretty standard shit for when a pandemic happens it's just that we haven't had to deal with this yeah so anyway it's an interesting kind of way of you know looking at it yeah I I prefer the term um, physical distancing with social connection Oh, like for mental health because we don't really need to socially distance. We just need to physically distance. Yeah. And I think understanding the difference can help people feel less isolated. Mm, it's true. Especially yeah. extroverts that thrive on that connection. I am an extrovert and I'm struggling. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel for my, my, my poor extrovert friends. 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, it's my mum and her four girlfriends, they call themselves the Fab Five. They catch up once a week now and party on one of the apps. They have wines and wear funny mm. hats and, yeah, it's really funny. Yeah. So you still can stay socially I'm connected, just physically apart. <laughs> All right, question number tips. one then for the fun. Or do you want to do less shit tips? Yeah, so the little tagline of our podcast is how to be less shit. So for it can be for female powerlifters or powerlifters in general. What are some tips you have to be less shit as an athlete? Film your exercises mm-hmm. or feedback. Obviously work with a coach, but then give your coach feedback. And what sort of feedback? What sort of feedback. I guess like as both a athlete and a coach, something I see, well, with myself, I obviously give Tom lots of feedback, but it's like, you know, verbal feedback <laughs> and chit chat. But from my clients, I am looking for kind of like what it is that they were focusing on through a movement or through a session, maybe how difficult they found it. So like how much did I nail what, you know, what I wanted them to work at and like, yeah, so levels of difficulty or whether they or why they didn't do something, for instance, like sometimes they'll miss exercises or say that they couldn't do it because it was too hard, but not necessarily give details. Like if I don't have a pretty open communication with my clients, and this is the same for all coaches, I'm sure, if you don't have feedback to work with, then it's difficult to be able to, to to make changes or to make things a little bit more appropriate for someone. I'm all for trying to make a custom program for my girls, but unless I get, you know, feedback from them of what they're hating or what they're loving, then I can't make sure that I'm making it something that they're going to stick to and enjoy mm. as opposed to just something that they're finding a chore or something that they're just finding too difficult to be able to achieve. I like lots of wins, so I like them to be able to... Yeah, just kind of feedback on what works, what doesn't work. Not to be shit, can I? <laughs> I think it's, I mean, it's, That's a good one. It's definitely solid. A lot of people are afraid to sometimes give feedback, especially if the feedback could be perceived as negative. Yeah. Uh, often the negative feedback that gives us the greatest insight into where either the programming is going wrong or the communication is going wrong. So that kind of feedback is super valuable to the coach. <laughs> At Flex Success, we're currently working on adjusting our missions, value, and ah, what was the third one? Missions, value, anyways, mission and value statement. I forget the third one. Hmm. And we mentioned in there that we really like to foster a two-way coaching relationship, Hmm. not a dictatorship. Because with one-on-one coaching, it is a two-way relationship where the client tells us what exactly they need, what's working, what's not working. And within that two-way discussion, we can make things really specific and individual to them. Whereas a dictatorship is do this. I don't give a fuck if you like it. Mm. If it works for you, if you have to quit your job in order to do it. Like it is not a dictatorship. So it is difficult to coach clients that have poor communication because you're like, is this working for you? Do you like that? Could that be better? Totally. Um, yeah, so yeah, amen, amen to that. Okay. Question number one, and this is kind of like a fast round. It is you have 24 hours left on this earth and you can do anything before you die. What would you do? 24 hours left and then I'll die and I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Within the next 24 hours. It has to be realistic. We had a, we can't teleport and stuff like that. You have to, it has to be yeah. a- have it. A realistic day. <laughs> it must be like some sort of like speed planes though, right? Like someone's developing something that can get me to like 
Yeah, Elon Musk can get you country to country within two hours. You sure. know, you'd be eating a lot of potatoes and be lots of deliciousness. I would like to like skydive over the Lofoten Islands while the Northern Lights, while there's like Northern Lights or something like that. But that's kind of tricky because they might not be visible in the next 24 hours. Assume that they would. We wouldn't do that to you. Like, yeah, you can do that, Jess. And then all of a sudden, ah, by the way, they didn't show up today. <laughs> yep, that. And I'd have my dogs there with me too. Would they be skydiving? I think I might keep them on the ground just for safety measures because okay. they live past the twenty-four hours, right? <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> and then, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'd fucking love to take Rupert skydiving. That would be hilarious, especially oh. if you put goggles on him. Man, our dog is the most chilled out dog ever. Like nothing gets him excited except food. He just, like he's 14, so he's very lazy. I wonder how he would react if we tried to throw him out of a plane with a parachute, obviously. Honestly, I think he'd just be like... He'd just sleep through it. <laughs> yeah. There's no chance he'd do it. I want to try. We've taken hours on a boat before. Do you guys take your dog on a boat? He's no, never been he's on never a boat. So the first time we took, uh, I think it's only been once, um, we took... Baxter and Pushak, our dog that passed away last year on a boat because we were staying at a place that's only accessible by boat. And Baxter was so scared by the voice that he nearly jumped off the boat. <laughs> so I had to quickly grab him again and he's only small. Oh, was, no. Yeah, yeah. He was like, nope, I'm out. Yeah. Oh, go swimming. what a cutie pie. I can imagine him on a plane, but I don't think he'd be very, I think, yeah. yeah. All right, what's um, a weird habit or hobby that you have that might surprise listeners? I feel like this one should be directed to Tom. He'd probably tell me straight away. Uh, weird habit or I thought you were going to say he has weird habits or hobbies. Sure he does too. <laughs> nah, he's pretty standard. <laughs> Are you calling Tom a basic bitch? <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, his ISO hobby is spreadsheets. So he's just mostly in front of a computer and spreadsheeting so a lot. Boring. <laughs> so, so boring. So boring. I, don't, I can't really think. I, I really like making lists. That's probably a little bit weird. Like I definitely write lists every day and write lists for everything. <laughs> you know, my brother, big fan of lists. He had so many lists that he had to write a list for all of his lists. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. So that he could keep track of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a bit on the spectrum. That's interesting, yeah. <laughs> oh, nothing weird. That's cool. I probably have something, but I can't think of it now. Sorry. I'll hit you up with one. You can just add it into the recording. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to do Would You Rather. And the last but not least, the wherever you want to take it from this. The, the card game I'm picking but from a random... We have to check that oh. it's not something that's been before. It's not actually a card. It's a B card, everyone. All right, this Hang one. On. Would you rather make yeah. out with someone? No. What? Yeah. Yeah. Can I not read? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. Make out with someone, feel something wet and realised they just peed their pants. Or B, drunkenly make out with someone and throw up all over them. <laughs> Let's this pretend you're single. So make out with someone and realise they pissed themselves or make out with someone and throw up on them. I'd say probably the second one. Probably throw up on them because then at least it's like kind of like my control. And like I think in the first one I'd be like, what have I done to make them pee themselves? In the second, it's like, I puked. I definitely puked. <laughs> Plus, it's kind of funny. The second one is all embarrassment for you. The first one's only embarrassment for them and potentially 
a lot of confidence building from you if you just made them wet themselves out of shit. But, yeah, but Jess is seeming to assume that she did something bad, bad to make them pee themselves. Maybe that says or, a lot. Or that I would then have to deal with them being really awkward and embarrassed, which is also equally as gross and uncomfortable for me. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's really sweet. You just, so... just vomit and bail. Win <laughs> <laughs> win. Get the best of both, right? <laughs> Pass um, and dash. That's funny. Pash, vomit and dash. <laughs> Is that all the questions? Yep, that's it. Miss Jess, if people wanted to reach out to you to find your gym or Tom's gym or your services, uh, your online coaching services, that is, unless you provide other services we're unaware of, <laughs> uh, how would people find you? Um, so my business is called The Booty Parlor. So Booty Parlor on um, Instagram. Tom's gym is Strength Try, which I'm also coaching out of and it's where we train. So that's fun. Check out what we're doing there. And then in terms of what I'm doing with my coaching, then thebootyparlor.com.au. I've just relaunched my new website. So it looks nice and lovely and is going to be ready to go for when we're allowed to like have gyms again and be inside gyms. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for that day. Such a week. Very soon, I hope. Mm. Yes, counting down. Yeah. All right, well, thank you for your time on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's fun mm. to talk to you guys. Yeah, we'll speak soon. Thanks. Thanks.